Hi, hello, thank you, Rich. And as Rich said, we are in the Battle Ready series. Um, We're looking at the armour of God and what that looks like for in our lives. And maybe fittingly, this year, I decided to take up running again um, for the battle. Probably I won't be fighting any actual battles, but running has become my regular exercise again. And to help me in the running journey, I've been using the Couch to 5K app. On the app for each run, you get an audio file, a personal trainer as such that you set going as you go on your run that will tell you when to run, when to walk, and just encourage you to keep on going during the run. And on my recent runs, the time is now getting longer, and I feel like I will not make it through my run. But as an encouragement to keep going, the personal trainer said to think about what will you treat yourself to the end to yourself, uh, what you will treat yourself to when you finish the run. It might be a long shower, it might be that food that you've been craving, a new pair of trainers, or just a satisfaction and sense of achievement for having completed that run. For me, most of the time, it is that sense of achievement that I finished the run, that I kept on going, even if my walking pace would actually be faster than my running pace at that time. And now, going on a run in the grand scheme of things, is not a big struggle in life. It's actually a trivial example of enduring through something that is hard and uncomfortable and having a reason to not give up in the moment. It's a trivial example because life is hard. We all have examples of facing difficulties and difficult situations. Life can at times feel relentless, tiring and heavy. And we can find ourselves facing situations that we didn't expect want or even feel equipped to handle in life we face very real battles and i know even in our church family today that some of you are going through incredibly difficult and painful situations but i wonder for each one of us what is the thing that keeps us going when things get difficult what is it that makes you continue to push on even when you're not sure you can do it and you are tired Why do you not give up when all you want to do is crumple into a heap on the floor and wave a white flag of surrender? How do you endure the battles that you face? As we've been told weekly in our series, Battle Ready, as Christians, we are in a battle. And battles aren't easy. If they were, we wouldn't need this series, we wouldn't need the call to stand firm, and we wouldn't need the armour of God. And God knows this. He knows the reality of the battles that we face. And he's given us his armor to strengthen and protect us in the battles so that we can endure the battles and we can stand firm in our faith. And already in this series, we've looked at the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. We've looked at the shoes of readiness and the shield of faith. And we're into the final two pieces of armor. Today, we're looking at the helmet of salvation. And next week, we'll look at the sword of the spirit. And the helmet of salvation is the last piece within the armor that is protective before we get onto that attacking thing, attacking part of the armor. And the helmet would most likely have been one of the last things that a soldier would pick up before they pick up their weapon and go into battle. The helmet is vital to our protection. It protects our heads, it protects our brains, and without these, like, we're not going to be very effective in the battle. The helmet of salvation is a vital part in the armour of God. It is a key piece in protecting us when the battle becomes too much. 
when we become overwhelmed and want to give up. It protects us when the seeds of doubt and the questions come in about God and his promises. It is the thing that as Christians means that we can endure the battle. The helmet of salvation is there to protect our whole outlook and our attitude towards our faith, God and the battle. So that we will stand firm and not grow weary of doing good. So I wonder, have you got your helmet of salvation on today? I don't know about you, but for me, at points in this series, as we've been told over again and again, that we are in a battle and we don't get a choice about the battle, I've thought, do you know what? I don't want this battle anymore. I'm tired of standing firm, of choosing to follow Jesus, even when it hurts, and and not seeing the breakthrough I was hoping for or the light at the end of the tunnel. And I don't think I'm alone in these thoughts or feelings. You may have thought that this morning, you may be feeling tired and weary and losing hope and not sure if you can carry on. You might even be sat here in church wondering why you're even here. What is the point of it all? And we're not alone, we're together, but also we're not alone because the Bible, of, the Bible is full of people who are disheartened, tired and weary, losing hope and wondering if there was any reason to continue. The Israelites, having been rescued from slavery and oppression in Egypt, repeatedly grumbled at and and questioned Moses on what God was doing as they walked through the wilderness, and even at times wishing that they'd never left Egypt. The Psalms are full of writers crying out to God from their own struggles and despairs, while they see others who aren't following God prosper and have all that they want. In Psalm 73, verse 11 to 14, the psalmist writes, They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like. Always free of care, they go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure, and I have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted, and every morning brings new punishments. And if you read the message version of those verses, it's pretty raw. It says, what's going on here? Is God out to lunch? Nobody's tending the store. The wicked get by with everything. They have made it, piling up riches. I've been stupid to play by the rules. What has it gotten me? A long run of bad luck. That's what, a slap in the face every time I walk out the door. This writer is not pulling any punches. He's not, he's saying it raw. He's saying it plainly what he feels. And those thoughts and feelings and questions aren't just limited to the Old Testament, even after Jesus, even knowing Jesus and what he's done, the early Christians in the New Testament are still feeling weary, burdened, and wanting to give up. The letter of Hebrews is written to a group of discouraged Jewish Christians. They're being persecuted because of their faith in Jesus, and they're wondering whether they should just give up and return to their Jewish faith. But the writer of Hebrews writes to them to remind and encourage them to hold firmly to the faith that they profess, to continue on despite the struggles because the certain hope that is to come. In Peter's second letter, which is written to persecuted Gentile Christians, he encourages them to continue to live a holy life before God, even when scoffers who taunt them saying, where is your coming God? Paul tells the Galatians to not grow weary of doing good. And he urges Timothy on to not become overwhelmed, reminding him that God does not make him timid, but has given him a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. If you are feeling tired, weary, 
beaten down, questioning whether following God is worth it, like you can't go on, you are not alone. But, and I'm sorry to repeat it again, we are in a battle whether we like it or not. And the battle is hard because we have an enemy who wants to knock us down and take us out. He's playing the long game. The devil cannot take away our salvation, but he will do his level best to get us to breaking point, to mean that we don't live in the fullness of what we have been given from God. He wants you to get tired and weary to the point of giving in. He wants us to be beaten down, discouraged, and losing hope in the gospel and Jesus and asking, what is the point? Where are the promises of God that we sing and talk about? Is my following Jesus even making a difference? Is God out to lunch? Have I been stupid in playing by the rules? How are you feeling about the battle today? It can sometimes feel like the enemy is winning. It can sometimes seem like the enemy is winning when we ourselves or our brothers and sisters in Christ go through incredibly heartbreaking, painfully and painful situations and we don't see God move in the way we wanted. It can seem like the enemy is winning when friends who were on fire for God now walk away from the faith. Or when we are being bullied, talked about, mocked or even isolated because we follow Jesus. And maybe actually it can feel like the enemy is winning when we look at the state of the world, when we look at the brokenness, confusion, pain and suffering in it. And we are wondering, how can the global church be effective enough to battle the darkness? We can sometimes think that there is no hope. The enemy is having the last laugh. That maybe God doesn't have the victory after all. We can't always see who is winning in the midst of the battle. But this I am certain of, God has the victory. We are told this over and over again in the Bible, and we know this from what Jesus did on the cross. In that moment when it looked like all hope was lost and the disciples fled, Jesus was winning the battle. He was gaining the victory, and we can be sure of this. We can also be sure that we will face trials in life. Jesus warned us of this. But these trials and battles are not a surprise to God. In Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21, Jesus warns his disciples of the wars and conflicts, the natural disasters and the persecution of his followers that would happen. He told them that they would be hated because they follow him. In Matthew 24, verses 10 to 12, Jesus says, At that time, many people will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. It doesn't sound great, does it? It's not something that we're all going to be like, yes, I want to sign up for that. But Jesus encourages his disciples to continue on and to stand firm. He says in Luke 21, verses 27 to 28, Then everyone will see the man of God coming on a cloud with power and great glory. So when all these things begin to happen, when the battle comes, when the wickedness increases, and when the trial beats us down, Jesus says, stand and look up, for your salvation is near. Jesus' rally cry to his disciples and to us is to stand, look up, for your salvation is near. He's saying, put on the helmet of salvation. Stand firm, look to your coming salvation. This is not the end. To you who feels like you can't go on, 
like you can't stand anymore, Jesus says, look up. Look, your salvation is coming. Continue to stand. You will be saved. To you looking at the, those not following Jesus and wondering if they're on the better team, he says, put on your helmet of salvation. Stand firm. Something better is on the way. Your salvation is coming on a cloud, on a cloud with power and great glory. When we are tired and weary, losing hope and wondering what the point of it all is, this is what we need to make. This is when we need to make sure that our helmet of salvation is on our head. When we need to remind ourselves and look to our coming salvation. So what is our helmet of salvation? Because we frequently talk about salvation in church in the um, past tense. It's something that has happened. I was saved when Jesus has saved me. But the Bible talks about salvation in three different tenses. It talks about it in the past, present, and future tense. And to be able to fully put on the helmet of salvation, we need to understand what salvation is and how it works in these three tenses. Salvation, simply put, is being saved or delivered from something, and it's usually something that is bad or something that is, will harm or ruin us. And the salvation that we're talking about and read about in the Bible is the act of being saved from our sin. Being saved from the ruin and the destruction of sin in us and in the world. And we all need this salvation because we all sin. Sin is everything that we do, think, and say that separates us from God. It disrupts our relationship with God. It disrupts our relationship with ourselves and with others. It is the cause of the evilness, brokenness, selfishness, injustice, pain, and suffering in the world. It's not hard to see the effects of sin in the world and in ourselves. And it might be easy and even more palatable to us to be like, oh, those are the bad people. They're the sinners. But we all play our part in the brokenness of the world. We all sin. None of us are perfect. We have all hurt someone, been selfish, or gone against what God's best is for us. We know the feeling of shame or guilt, the internal knowledge that, of knowing that we are not perfect and that we sin regularly. We just might not be too keen to admit it to ourselves or others. But we all sin, and the penalty for sin is death, and we cannot save ourselves from it. We all need to be saved from sin. And God, in his loving kindness and boundless grace, saves us from our sin. He offers us salvation, and this salvation is worked out in the three parts, in three tenses. First, we have the past tense of salvation. We've been saved through Jesus' death on the cross because he paid the penalty for our sins through living the perfect sinless life and dying on the cross for us. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you have been confessed that he is your Lord and Savior and accepted the forgiveness he offers, then you have been saved. Our salvation has happened. Jesus has saved me. I know that my debt of sin is paid in full and I follow Jesus. But I also know all too well that I continue to sin. I didn't stop sinning the moment that I decided to follow Jesus and accept the salvation that he offers. I continue to sin even when I try not to. And this is where our present, the present tense of our salvation comes in. 
In Philippians 2, verse 12, Paul writes, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your, your salvation with fear and trembling. As followers of Jesus, we are to work out our salvation. There is a present continuous aspect to our salvation. We are saved. We have been saved. But as we follow Jesus, we are to be made more like him. We're to work out our salvation. We're being made holy and blameless. And we don't do this on our own. It is through the Holy Spirit that this happens. But as we follow and obey Jesus, as we stand firm and face the battles, as we allow the Holy Spirit to teach and transform us, we're working out our salvation. So we have been saved because of what Jesus did on the cross. He paid the debt of our sin. And as we follow him, we're working out our salvation. And we're becoming more like him. But also our salvation in its entirety and its fullness is coming. There will be a day when there will be no more sin, where where we will be completely rid of our sin. And this is the future tense of salvation. Romans 13 says, And do this, understanding the present time, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Our salvation is on its way because a day is coming when Jesus will return and all sin will be removed from the world and we as followers of Jesus will be made completely new. On that day, we will be without sin, made new, clothed in righteousness, holy and blameless before our God. This day is coming and this is our helmet of salvation. The other two times that Paul mentions the armour of God And in the context of salvation, he's talking about the coming salvation. He says in Romans 13, which we just read, our salvation is nearer now than we first believed. And then he goes on to tell us to put on the armor of light. And in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 8, Paul tells us, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as our helmet. The hope of our salvation, of our coming salvation, is the helmet that we put on. This is what we hold on to when the enemy attacks us and and beats us down. We stand firm in the battle, working out our salvation for that, for our coming salvation. When the struggles come, when we are tired and when when following Jesus feels too hard, too painful, and it feels too difficult to continue on, We need to look to a hope of our coming salvation. We need to remind ourselves that there will be a day when Jesus will return and when sin will be no more. When all our sin and the effects of our sin will be wiped away. In the battle, we hold on to our coming salvation when Jesus will return in all his glory and victory and majesty. And we will be made like him and get to spend eternity with him. When all tears will be wiped away when there will be no more death, mourning, crying, or pain, when the brokenness of us and the world will be put right, and when we will find all that we've been looking for, desiring, and wanting are truly found in him. On that day, we will see that every sacrifice, trial, and difficulty was worth it just to be fully in his presence. This is what I hold on to when I am weary and I am tired and I'm not sure I can go on. 
This is what I remind myself when I start to compare my life to the lives of others who seem to have the things that I wanted. And I start asking myself, is Jesus really enough? This is what I dwell on when I see the brokenness around me and I'm not sure how to fix it. And I start to to doubt the effectiveness of the gospel. This is what Paul means when he says to pick up the helmet of salvation. We are to hear and hold on to the rally cry of Jesus. Look up, stand firm, see your salvation is near. Don't lose heart, keep going and you will be saved. Do you have the hope of salvation as your helmet? In the midst of the battle, are you looking to your coming salvation? When you are tired and weary, will you put on the helmet of salvation and look to our coming king? When you are losing hope and not sure if you can continue or if it's worth it, will you fix your helmet of salvation again on your head and remind yourself that there is a day when we will get to live in the fullness of what God has done for us, in the fullness of our salvation? Will you hear the rally cry of Jesus and continue on even if all you can do is crawl right now? And I ask these questions because putting on the helmet of salvation is an active decision. We don't stand in the battle on our own. God is with us. Paul tells us to be strong in the Lord. But we cannot just not just we cannot not oh, we cannot just hope that our helmet of salvation is on. We have to choose to put it on. We have to choose to hold on and trust that our coming salvation is worth our current pain, struggles, and trials. This is what Paul did. He wrote in Romans 8, verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Paul considered it. He weighed it up and decided that nothing is compared to the glory of what is to come. He encouraged the Corinthians in 2, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 to 17. Therefore, do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. We each have to make this decision for ourselves And we'll have to make this decision to pick up our helmet of salvation and put it on regularly. It isn't a one-time decision. It's not even a weekly decision that we only make on Sundays at church. We have to make this daily. And sometimes we will have to make this decision hourly to choose again to put on the helmet of salvation, to remind ourselves again of our coming salvation and trust in Jesus. So what decision will you make? Will you put on the helmet of salvation? In the battle, will you look to your coming salvation? To the day when Jesus will return in glory and you will be made like him? Will that be the reason that you continue to endure and continue on in the battle? We are in a battle that we don't always get to choose to be in. But we aren't alone in the battle. We aren't alone in our troubles our trials, our questions, our doubts, and our weariness. And we're not alone in needing a reason to keep going. Jesus faced the battle, and he had a reason of why he endured the cross, why he kept on going. Hebrews 12 verse 2 says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
Jesus endured the cross because of the joy set before him, the joy of us being made right with God, the joy of us being to get to live with him in eternity, being made new. He decided that that momentary pain, battle and separation was worth it. Jesus said, look up and see the son of man come in on a cloud with power and great glory. Stand for your salvation is near. Church, let's put on the helmet of salvation in the battle. Let's stand firm in the fight, knowing that our saviour will return and it will be worth it all.